Can we just thank God for his presence? So we've gone a little long. I'm, I'll be brief. Uh, I'm, I'm going to... I'm not going to preach the message that I preached for service, the entire message. I'm just going to touch on a couple things. I want to just bless and encourage you, um, and I want to uh, just impart to you uh, what I feel burning inside of me. So continue to impart to you. Open your Bibles to John chapter 1, the Gospel of John chapter 1. A couple weeks ago, I preached a message called Walking in the Light. I encourage you to check it out. Um, I'll say this too, we were out of town and uh, it's so good to be home, man. Uh, You know, we did really enjoy the meetings that we're at and the presence of God was there. But I'm going to tell you, there are church gatherings all over the place um, that really strive uh, for for what we thrive in. And when I say that, what I mean is, is that we get to participate in such a wonderful manifest presence of God when we worship together. How many can say amen? Time after time after time, I hear, I hear the same testimonies. When I walked into the church building, the, the presence of God just hit me. Um, or the other one that I hear a lot is, man, I've never felt so loved and accepted. And I'm going to tell you something that I never want to lose that. I just want to increase in those two things right there. Now, there are other values that we have. We love the scripture. We like to teach the scripture passionately, theologically, intellectually, but but also uh, so prioritizing the presence of God. So I'm so thankful to be home. Um, But uh, last week when I was gone, we're in the car listening to second service because we stream our 11 a.m. They're streaming right now. And I I got blasted in the car, man. We were just so blessed. Worship. And then my wife's message. How many just thought they brought it? Come on, somebody. And uh, church is better when I'm gone. I'm going to leave more often. Come on, somebody. <laughs> oh, thank you, Lord. Um, but uh, it, it is such a blessing that we have great leadership and we're able to do that. So uh, in John chapter 1, I want to read the scripture to you and I want to tell you a story. And then I'm going to let you go. Verse 18, no one has ever seen God. No one has ever seen God. But the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. How many know that the scriptures are inspired and they show us what God looks like? Amen. How many know the scriptures point to the Word of God, capital W, the eternal Word, the eternal Son, Jesus Christ? In John chapter 5, Jesus is talking to the modern day of that time, the first century Bible answer man, the Pharisees, and he says to them, you search the scriptures diligently, thinking that you have eternal life, but you don't realize they testify of me. In the Message Bible, it's really profound. It's something to the effect of you have your head, it's in your Bibles, but you can't see the forest for the trees. We have to understand that as we search the scriptures, we have to be reading the Bible and studying the Bible with the light on. Guess who the light is? Jesus. The scriptures read in the light of the incarnate Son of God are illuminated with life, and power and grace. But if we read our Bibles in the shadow, um, we'll just continue to 
discover the ministry of death, which is that old covenant thinking, that old covenant way of life, the Mosaic covenant. And so we have to understand that God is perfectly revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. Now, when we talk about theology, how many know theology is how we see God? Theology is not just some philosophical thing and systematic thing that we come up with and we have to lay everything out perfectly. How do you see God? Uh, Jesus revolutionized our whole vision of God in the Lord's Prayer when he started with Father. And I want to just touch on this for a minute because a couple weeks ago we talked about walking in the light, God's self-revelation. 1 John 1 says, God is light and in him there's no darkness at all. And God is calling us into this revelation of himself as, as light, as love. The only two axiomatic statements that we have in the scripture that are self-revealing truths about God is that God is love and God is light. And, and the reason that he is love uh, is because he is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's not a monad God. He's not a lonely God, a solitary God that existed for all eternity. He is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is what we see revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. See, love necessitates relationships. So God is love, and God is also relationship. So if we want to be good at relationships, discover Trinitarian life, continue to journey and gaze at the face of who God really is. American Christianity has been toxified and contaminated by a God that we've made in our own image. And there's a reformation taking place where people are no longer afraid, but they're willing to jump into this reality of who God is, that God is actually a loving God. I know it sounds really far-fetched, guys, but God actually loves humanity. And I know that, that, you know, there's, well, but, there's a lot of buts, right? There's a lot of buts. Look at your neighbor and say, there's a lot. No, don't, never mind. There's a lot of buts out there. Like, we'll come up with all these excuses, but listen, there is an ocean of discovery if we're not afraid to jump into it, and the ocean is that God is actually a loving God. And that also gets rid of the idea that God is an all-controlling God, because power does not equal control in God's mind. If it did, he wouldn't have created man and gave him uh, delegated authority in the earth. When something happens, good or bad, it doesn't mean that God did it or initiated. All things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to a purpose. The Bible doesn't say God initiated all things. Big difference. He can work something and not initiate it. Are you thankful for that? He can make broken things beautiful, but he's not an all-controlling God because he's not insecure like we are. He doesn't have to control everything. How many know what I'm talking about? Anybody control freak? Come on, somebody. He doesn't have to micromanage his children. He wants his children to make good choices. He wants his children to rise up. They're made in the image of God. And and so this is why we got into this mess is because love necessitates relationship. And we walked away. The stories in Genesis in the beginning of the book, you guys have heard it, Adam and Eve, you know the story. And so now the, the problem of sin reigning in the cosmos was absolved in the incarnation of Jesus. And, and look at this statement that John makes. No one has ever seen God. I mean, can you imagine this? In, in the fourth gospel of the New Testament, all the Old Testament prophets, Moses, Abraham, Noah, all these guys, Enoch that was taken... John makes this bold statement, says no one's ever seen God. 
Can you imagine the early church rabbis going, Oy vey, why would he say that? I mean, like that's a bold statement. He climbs up in their religion and in their face says, oh, you don't even know what God looks like. That's the shadow. Yes, there was some, yes, there was some testifying, some witnesses, and, and there was some uh, pointing in the right direction. There was a progressive revelation of God. We see it in Hebrews chapter 1. Actually, I want to read it to you real quick. Hebrews chapter 1. This is so powerful. Hebrews chapter 1. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. Say amen. But in these last days... He has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he also made the universe. Jesus made everything. Take a deep breath right now. Even before you got saved, Jesus made that heir. And we thought we were separated from him. He was closer than the air you breathe before you prayed that little sinner's prayer that you prayed. Walking down the aisle of the church, crying, Jesus help me. He saw the heart of you, your heart when you were little, when you cried out to God on your bed, crying, hurting, broken. He saw you when you were in that situation where some things happen. He consented in creation that some things can happen according to natural laws. Like there's gravity. When you fall and crack your head open, God's not tripping you. It's called gravity. It's a natural law. Hello? But he's right there. He's close. He, he created the universe. He created all things. Job says if he inhaled, we'd all die. If God pulled his breath back, all flesh would cease. And so when Jesus became, when God became man in the person of Jesus, he didn't want us to lapse into non-being. This is what St. Athanasius said. Uh, he's, St. Athanasius is like an early church father from the third, fourth century. That, that God loved us so much that he had to be joined to us so we would never be separated from him into non-being. And look at this. He has spoken in the past through prophets. How many know he's talking about the Old Testament prophets? But look what he says. Verse 3, Hebrews 1. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by the pow- his powerful word. Can you say amen? amen? The sun is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. The sun, Jesus Christ, came to reveal God. John chapter 1, verse 18. No one has seen God. He makes this bold statement. Yeah, we've seen a, a veiled version of God. But Jesus removed the veil. And now we know what God looks like. And I want to just encourage you that, you know, sometimes I said this uh, first service, which you can go online and listen to the whole message. I'm going to tell you a story in just a moment. But sometimes we're so afraid of being wrong. Like, let me give you, let me just give you this example. Like, we're so afraid of whatever, false doctrine, or we're afraid of, uh, you know, like going to hell or we're afraid of whatever, that we, fear itself opens the door for deception. So that which we're afraid of, afraid of, we literally open the door to. And I want you to be encouraged that you can come to Jesus and not be afraid because he reveals a loving God. He reveals a God who is not looking at humanity with disgust and disdain. That is a God made by archaic religion and that we've made in our own image. 
It's not the God revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. Yes, we search the scriptures and they point to Jesus. The scriptures are the word of God, but we have to understand that it all points to the word of God, capital W, the word, the eternal word, the son. So in John chapter one, Hebrews 1, 3, by the way, is a great memory verse that Jesus is the exact representation of God. But John chapter one, John says this bold statement, no one has ever seen God. I mean, you talk about messing up somebody's religion. No one has ever seen God. What about Moses? Didn't he stand face to face with God? Not, not the face that we see in Jesus, a veiled face of God. Now that's a big deal. That changes things. Now when we read the Old Testament, it should point us to Jesus. We have to read the scriptures through the lens of who Jesus is. So let me read on here. It says, the one and only son who is himself God and his close relationship with the father in the bosom of the father, uh, in the intimate relationship with the father, he has made him known. I want you to just get this. Jesus came to reveal the heart of the father. If our Christianity is not revealing the heart of the father, then we're not following Jesus. Jesus came to reveal to us what God looks like, that we don't have to be confused and we don't have to be afraid. This is what John the Beloved says in 1 John. He says, on judgment, get, on judgment day, guys, you don't have to be afraid. That's a big, can you imagine him writing that and saying, guess what? On judgment day, you don't have to be afraid because of what has been revealed in Jesus, that he loves us. And this is the, and here's, here's the fear. The fear is, well, if you start preaching a God that accepts and loves, then you're just going to get to, you're going to get into the sloppy agape stuff, Pastor Zach. No, you don't understand the power of grace and truth and life and love is what transforms the heart where you're no longer putting a, a Sunday morning smile on thinking that Jesus came to die for the Sunday morning version of you. He came to die for the Saturday night version of you. Come on, somebody. You see, we've turned the blood of Jesus into Kool-Aid and we've said, drink this and don't think. But actually, when I drink the blood of Jesus, I come alive and I can actually think. I'm renewed in the spirit of my mind. I'm not controlled. I'm actually free to love, to live, to speak truth, to be a blessing to people around me. In the revelation of God, we're transformed. We don't have to be afraid to jump in this, this ocean that there actually is a God who is absolute love and loves us to our core and loves all of us. Not just, when I say all, all of us, all, not just parts of us. He loves every last bit of us. Come on. He loves you in your worst moment. Jesus came into humanity and took upon our worst moment. Our worst moment, guess what it was? Rejecting God himself and spitting on him and, and putting a crown of thorns on his head. Come on. And nailing him to a cross. I think we kind of missed it, don't you think? Undercover boss fail. The creator of the universe comes to tell us how much he loves us and then we crucify him. This is what the Bible says. This is what the scripture says. The angry mob, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. It's, it's the darkness that you and I have been set free from in the glorious light and revelation of the face that is revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. 
It changes everything. And we don't have to be stuck in the darkness, in the shadows anymore, in the shadow of the old covenant, thinking that we've got to earn our right to God or we have to do everything just right. We have to believe just right and repent just right. Believing and repenting comes because God's been good to you. Believing and repenting comes because God already loved you. The reason you love him is because he loved you first. Well, you got to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You know what? Stop trying that because you're not good at it alone. Let him love you and then live like a son and a daughter and watch what happens. Well, you just got to believe God and, and trust God. Yeah, you, trust is not like this mental ascent where you're trying so hard and, and, and it's striving, striving. It's just leaning into him. And when you do, you come alive in God. I'm telling you, man, I, for the, until I breathe my last, I will oppose this religious idea that we have to manage our own sin. Sin management is Satan. It's the devil. It's, it's the same lie he walked in in the garden, said, has God not said? And, and I'm telling you, sometimes we still participate and partake of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Guess what it is? It's that old covenant ministry of death that we've been set free from. So I'm not afraid to jump in the ocean that there's truly a loving and accepting God because it transforms our hearts. And grace is not freedom to sin, but freedom from sin. And grace shapes my thoughts. Grace changes my desires. Grace and love. Grace is not a cushion to fall on when I, when I mess up. Grace is what picks me up again. The cushion is mercy encompassed in grace. Grace picks me back up so I can run the race that is set before me. Grace empowers me to do the right thing. Grace helps me and teaches me to deny ungodliness. This is what Titus says. And so in the revelation of God, we are free from fear. We're free to jump in and free that that is what is really what humanity needs. How many know Christianity at this point in time, do you think we could use a really good re-representation of who God is to the world? Like, I, I, this is one of the reasons we went out on the, on the strip with signs, God's not mad at you, he's mad about you. One of the reasons we had another sign that said free prayer and hugs. People need love and acceptance. Well, aren't you going to preach the gospel to them? That is the gospel, y'all. <laughs> the gospel is a revelation of who God is. Well, the gospel means good news. The root word of gospel is euangelion. It's a word. It was, it was a messenger that was sent to bring good news that a king was born. You see, in the revelation of Jesus, you have the revelation of the Father. You know what the gospel is? Everything that Jesus did, but it's also his person. It's a revelation of God. The gospel is a revelation of who God is. It's good news. The best news. Oh, you guys need help. All right. Oh, is the mic on just now? I'm so sorry. I... <laughs> Jesus, John says, you, you, no one has ever seen God. Like you think you know what he looks like. Oh man, we've just barely begun to discover the beauty of who God is. Now I want you to flip over. We're gonna just close with 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 2 Corinthians 3. Are you all enjoying this? This is the short version and I'm doing pretty good on time. God bless me. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. This is so powerful. Verse seven. Now, if the ministry that brought death 
which was engraved in letters on stone, came with glory so that the, so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory. Transitory though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? Here's what he's saying. If the Old Covenant, not the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, there's four covenants in, the, in, the, in what we call the Old Testament. And one of them is the Mosaic Covenant. that didn't start until Exodus, like chapter 20-ish. Now, the Mosaic Covenant is what came to an end probably in 70 AD when the temple was destroyed. Hebrews 8.13 says, The Old Covenant is passing away. It was written right before 70 AD and will soon be obsolete. How many know the Old Covenant is done away with and we are now in a new and better covenant? Come on. A covenant that was cut between the Father and the Son. You can't mess it up. It's not a covenant that's dependent upon you to do something or get something right. How many know we're not going to get it right? We mess it up over and over and over. And if someone tells you you got to do something to get it right, you're going to mess it up. So just forget all that stuff. It doesn't work. Jesus did it. He did it. We trust in him. The reason we can understand who God is because we're in him and we can behold the face of the Father as if we're sitting in heavenly places in Christ because we are, according to Paul in, in the book of Ephesians. So we read this and he's saying the old covenant's passing away and you thought that was glorious. Y'all just wait to see what the new covenant has in store. And here's what he says. This is so powerful. If the ministry, the old covenant that brought condemnation was glorious, how much more that brings righteousness, the ministry that brings righteousness. For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if what was transitory came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? Verse 12, therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Say very bold. We are not like Moses who put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away, but their minds were made dull. For to this day, the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ it is taken away. Verse 15, even to this day when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, say turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is a spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with an unveiled face, contemplate the Lord's glory. We are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. Whatever you behold, you become. As you behold who God is, it transforms you and you realize that you're a son, that you're a daughter. It awakens you into what God created you for, which is to be a son and a daughter and live, live life the way that he created you to live. Uh, my, uh, my daughter, Layla, she's four. She's very spicy. She's the spiciest of all our children. And I love her so much. And she has reddish strawberry blonde hair. You are fire, Layla. You are so special. And, and she's just so smart and sassy. Come on. You know, you can't have everything, guys. If you're smart and cute and sassy, all the cute girls are sassy, Rochelle, not mentioning any names. Um, oh, I'm sorry. And, and we lived with my, my dad while we were selling our house just a couple months ago, and we lived with him, and he had a pool. Now, Layla is four. She, she can't swim out of all of our kill, children. And so we took this opportunity to teach her how to swim. She was so afraid of the water 
that like, if I took her in, I'm like, okay, she didn't have a floating. I'm going to teach you how to swim. No. And she's like clawing to me. The water was not fun. The water was just a big pool of fear. It was dread. And I remember this moment. We worked with her. We worked with her. We worked with her. And she began to trust Papa. She began to trust her dad. And the moment that she let go and she started swimming it was the moment she looked right at my face and she realized I was not going to let her sink. I want to tell you something. When you behold the face of God, you learn to have dominion over the thing that determines what has dominion over you. Sometimes, sometimes what, the thing that makes us sink, the thing that makes us like, feel like we're drowning, we just have to look at the face of God and realize, no, we have dominion over this. Now, what happened was she learned how to swim. Literally, instantly, she's Esther Williams. She's swimming all over the place. She's a fish. She's swimming underwater. She's like, watch this, Daddy. And then she's like, I'm swimming. And she's just like, oh, just showing off. No joke. Little Layla. But I'm telling you, it was the overcoming of fear, jumping in and then realizing that Daddy had her. And there was this moment, I'll never forget this moment. My son David was there, but she looked right at my face and she had like this little smile because she was doing it. She was swimming. She was doing, you know, that face they make when they're like, I'm doing it, daddy. I'm doing it, mama. And there's this, just this, this blessing of beholding the face of God where we learn how to overcome. We learn how to rise up. We learn how to have dominion over the thing that tries to keep us sinking. Understanding who God is completely transforms every part of our lives, of our relationships. I want you to lift your hands with me and we're going to close in prayer. That was a fast sermon. That was a Rochelle sermon. If you want to hear the whole version, you can go online. First service will be up. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Lord, I pray right now that fear would be broken. I pray right now that, that every every idolatrous image that we have made of you would fall to the ground right now. You're jealous. You burn with over us, God. The spirit of God burns with jealousy that we would see who you are through the eyes of the eternal son, Jesus. That we don't have to pray with our heads bowed, but we can pray like Jesus with our heads lifted high, looking at the Father. And we can open our eyes and behold the face of God. He's not looking at us with disdain. His disposition toward us is not a hateful disposition. It's a disposition of love and acceptance. He wants to heal us. He wants to transform us and he wants to free us. And Lord, I pray for the shackles, lies, and toxicity of religion to just come out. The tentacles that are totally demonic, that has portrayed you as a mean ogre in the sky or a judge. I pray, God, right now that those tentacles would just be ripped out of every mind and every working thought process in this building right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, come into our religion right now like John did and said no one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who's in the bosom of the Father has made him known to us. Father, in that beautiful revelation of your love and your face, we're transformed, we're healed in, in your rejection, we were accepted. In your death, we were made alive. Lord, in your brokenness, we were made whole. And so I pray that that would be ministered to every 
person in this room. I bless every son and daughter. Thank you, Lord, for wonderful acceptance that comes from beholding your face. You know, God wants to hang out with you. God wants to just connect. He wants to spend time with you. Sometimes on Facebook, I get these notifications. So-and-so wants to connect with you. And it's just like an automatic messenger thing. And and I get friend requests and they're fake people and stuff. And you ever just get sick of that? I think sometimes because of failed relationships, we have this idea like, oh, God wants to, now God wants to be intimate with us. Oh, great. Here's another person that's going to let me down. Can I just encourage you right now that he's wooing you into a relationship that you've never I mean, you couldn't even dream of the love, the blessing, the joy, the participation, the life that will come from the relationship that we can have in Christ with the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Can you say amen? Amen. If you're in this place, I want you to close your eyes as we close together. If you're in this place and you're you're saying, you know what? I've been fed religion. I got fed the Kool-Aid and I want the real deal. I don't want religion. I I wanna know who God is. And I'm hearing this message of the good news, of the gospel, the revelation of who God is. And I'm saying, that sounds pretty legit. And you want to surrender your life to Jesus. You want to surrender your life. You want to jump in this ocean that you were once afraid of. This ocean that there really is a God that loves you. And a God who wants to bless you. And a God who wants to heal you and set you free. If you're in this place, you've never, or you want to just surrender your life to God. I want you to quickly raise your hand up right now. Say, Pastor, that's me. Pray for me. I want to surrender my life to Jesus. There's some hands going up. Just raise your hand up. Say, right now, I just say yes to the call to surrender my life in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Okay, you can put your hands down. If you raise your hand, I want you to pray with me. We're just going to pray together right now. And then when we're done, we're going to have our prayer team come up. If you need prayer for anything, my wife will dismiss and instruct you in that. So those of you that raise your hand, just simply pray this with me. And just join in people around. Everyone in this room, let's pray this. Say, Father, thank you for your love. Your love is amazing. Your grace is amazing. Thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for bringing me life. Thank you for restoring this relationship. Holy Spirit, I invite you to fill me with life, with your presence as I walk with you. I surrender my heart to you right now in Jesus' name. Now, would you just give God praise right now? Come on. Now, if you prayed that prayer for the first time or you're recommitting, when our prayer team comes up, I want you to come and tell some of our ministry team, say, you know what, I prayed that prayer and I'm, I'm just, I'm ready to serve God. I'm ready to just do this thing. Honey, would you come up, dismiss. Thank you, church. God bless you. We'll see you soon.